0: Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Hello and welcome to the decades of strength podcast. I'll be your host today. This is Kim Schlag speaking. And with me, of course, I have Marcy Nevin and Katie Crocus. Hi, ladies. Hey, Kim. Hi, Kim. Hey, Mars. What's going on? Besides our boring chat about the weather we already have. What's going on? (laughs)
1: <laughs> we, we literally just talked about the weather.
0: We're like ninety-year-old
2: people. How's I know. <laughs> every, it's relevant every decade, okay? Let's just put that out there. <laughs> we all true. talk about it. But <laughs> it, it's um here at my house, I've got uh, I've got one home from school this week, and my husband was supposed to be traveling, but he just tested positive for COVID. So <laughs> within twenty-four hours, he drove down to Lexington, Kentucky, and today he's driving back home to Madison
0: because oh, no. he can't do
2: any of the appointments that he had scheduled for his trip this week. So
0: poor That's guy cool. driving
2: home with COVID today. Is he feeling okay? He's feeling like he's got a cold. And I mean, it could be a lot worse. Like if he had flown down, he would have been stuck there for, you know, like five days. Um, but because he drove, he can just like take the cold medicine and stop every hour if he has to. It's honestly, we've been so fortunate. I'm thinking about all these people of their lives have been upended by by this and even just like a colossal inconvenience sometimes happens or you miss like a devastating family event and like none of that's really hit us we've been so fortunate so I we have one child left in the family who has yet to have a positive test and so we'll see I guess it could still happen but so far we've been so lucky and I'm really grateful. Yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting. It's May of 2022. And I have to say, I think it's a rare episode that one of us doesn't have some connection to say something about COVID still oh. all these years later. Right. It just yeah. keeps coming up. Like somebody's mm-hmm. somebody's this person had COVID or that, or we think we might have COVID. It's just, it's like, it literally will. It's like the and weather, Kim. It's like the weather. It's the new chat about the weather. You know what, <laughs> what part of COVID is screwing up your life today? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Marsh, what's going on in your world uh
1: not COVID that's for sure oh good Uh, thankfully yes (laughs) I I still I have not gotten it my parents have not gotten it my brother and my sister-in-law both have but yeah I have made it out okay so far my friend uh ocean I don't know if anyone uh any of the listeners follow ocean trail that is her name uh she and I real name well ocean is her real name yes um, she's married. So I don't know if trail is her
2: married name Trail is her maiden name. Actually, I was listening her to her. Name? Yeah. Butter your macros. Her parents named your ocean trail. Are, were they like hippies mm-hmm, or, like they
0: were. or yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I think it's beautiful.
2: It is. Um,
0: yeah, my,
1: <laughs> my mom, she's like, I saw you uh, talking on like ocean trail in your stories. I thought you were going somewhere. And I'm like, no, that's my friend. <laughs> Anyway, so (laughs) and I, we, she moved. It's, It's kind of like ironic, actually, because I went to the University of Oregon for college and I was watching her stories and I noticed that she lived there and I messaged her and I was like, oh, Eugene, my favorite place. I miss it so much. So we were kind of going back and forth and then we just Ended up getting on a phone call one day, and we were chatting. And she's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I grew up in Northern California." And I said, "Where?" She's like, "Oh, this place called Danville." I'm like, "Ah, uh, that's where I grew up." So, <laughs> such a small world. Yeah. So anyway, she moved back here um, temporarily. So we get together like every other week. But I saw in her stories on Monday she came down with COVID. So I think our walk for this Thursday will be canceled. So that's how I'm being affected by it, which -hmm. is is fine (laughs) because I don't want to get exposed and um, ruin my trip to Idaho, which I'm going on on Friday. Very exciting.
0: The girl's trip with mom.
1: Yes. Yes. Good memory. So really looking forward to that. Um, Yeah. So that's really everything that's going on here.
0: Nice. Marcy, by the way, that is something that is rarely said to me. Good memory. (laughs) 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 Not something I typically (laughs) hear in relationship to myself. There's not too much going on in my world that I want to talk about because literally anything I say is going to involve the word poop and I just don't want to talk about it one more Aww. second. So let's move on to current events that are interesting and I'm not talking about any of the crazy negative stuff because wow, it's out there. This is just something I thought would be interesting to talk about and I don't even know if you ladies have heard about it because there's way bigger news happening right now but the Met Gala last night, do you guys ever follow, do you guys follow the Met Gala? Like, do you, are you interested in it?
1: Just Maybe. the costumes, not the That's costumes. what I
0: mean. Yeah, that's what i mean like the costumes like so i don't know if you guys remember this but i studied fashion once upon a time i was oh a fashion merchandising major that's what my first degree is in before i studied psychology and sociology and so I'm, I'm super interested in fashion and my daughter is super interested in fashion and so any of these big events where celebrities are wearing cool outfits we always like follow on instagram and talk about what we like and what we don't and we like never agree because i think some of the stuff is just completely weird she's like it's cool of course i guess i'm old so but last night You know, there's always a theme for the Met Gala, and last night's was something about the Gilded Age. And okay, of course, who drums up controversy? Kim Kardashian, of course, right. That woman, (laughs) she's always doing something troublesome, and I don't know if you guys heard about this particular hubbub, but she disclosed her prep for the gala, specifically what she did to fit into this dress. She lost 16 pounds in three weeks, And she said this in a really like braggadocious kind of way, like no carbs, no sugar for three weeks, (sighs) guys, that's over five pounds a week. And we all know to do that. It wasn't just that she cut carbs and sugar. She was like starving herself, like to get Mm -hmm. to five pounds in a week, like when you're already a lean person, Mm -hmm. like that's incredibly restrictive. And she, not only did she say that in a bragging way, she decided I'm going to take this even a little bit to the next level. And I'm going to brag about the um, binge I'm about to have when I get out of this dress later and talked about how she was going to go home and have a pizza and donut party. No. So, yes. And so, you know, everyone is saying, you know, she's really glamorizing disordered eating. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this guys? Had you already heard about this? You know, I honestly live under a rock. I don't, <laughs> re-
1: I really do. I, I don't really watch the news and, you know, You can say that I'm, you know, being ignorant for that or whatever. It's just, I'm kind of like in my own bubble over here. I don't have a lot of like extra time to be spending on doing that. I'm so like in my zone and, you know, focused on what I'm doing with work. Uh, So yeah, I don't, I don't really watch the news and yes, like I scroll social media and there are some accounts that I follow. I mean, I think I follow Kim Kardashian on, uh, on Instagram I am jealous that she's with Pete Davidson because I have a huge crush on Pete Davidson. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I do. Yeah.
0: Last night, he actually looked nice. Usually, I think I'm like, what is she doing? Right. I think he looks like a clown. most of the time. Last night, he looked good. Yeah.
2: No, he can look good. So, but he's funny, right? Like, you, it's the funny, right?
1: Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, So, I have not seen this, but no, not on board with that at all. So sad.
2: I just, all I can think about is how many followers that she has like more followers than the president, right? Like she's got more followers than probably anyone in the free world. And she is putting all of this out there. And here's what gets me. She's probably not going to share about the residual effects, about all the collateral damage that's going to happen as a result of this. There's no doubt in my mind that she's under, under a lot of pressure, Um, to look a certain way. She, I think is more like a muse when it comes to fashion than, um, you know, certainly any like civilian, right. Any normal person. So I, (laughs) I, I recognize that she is just in a different stratosphere than, than, you know, we are certainly, however, with that power comes an incredible ability to cast an enormous, um, amount of damage. And I think that's
0: probably what she's doing here. Mm Yeah. Yeah. All right, so does this change the, anything for you guys? I left a piece of the story out because I didn't think you'd heard of it. The dress that she wore was vintage Marilyn Monroe. She was trying to fit into Marilyn Monroe's dress that Marilyn wore, you know, the a happy birthday, Mr. President dress. She had decided- oh, The to actual use dress. The dress. And she was Whoa. not allowed to alter it. Somebody had, it was like a Ripley's museum had owned this and it was like $4 million. And so she was not allowed to alter it. And she wanted to fit in this dress. Change anything for you? No, no, <laughs> not at all. No, here's my like, here's my for me. It changes one aspect. I kind of think of that. First of all, I think the best choice would have been like, I'll do that for next year's Met Gala if I really want to wear this, and I'll lose 16 pounds before in a year. year, not in a week, right? if she's gonna do it at all. So I do think that would still be the better choice, but let's say she's gonna do it. Cause like you said, Katie, she's on this other stratosphere. Like it's in my view, I kind of think of that like celebrities doing these crazy diet and exercise routines for some kind of movie role. I feel like it's kind of like that. She's like entertainment. But so then skip the details, like don't tell anybody, don't tell right. everybody, right. don't glamorize the fact that you just did this. You're really influencing people who are like, oh, I want to fit into my wedding dress. I want to fit into my prom dress. And this is a normal thing we do. Like we starve mm. ourselves to fit into these when it's not actually normal at all. And it's quite disordered, but I, many an actor and actress has done stuff like this or the other way, like they put on some crazy amount of weight so that they can play a role. I really think it's important for her to have just just don't tell us those things. Or at least to acknowledge this is not normal, healthy human behavior, guys. Like I did Mm -hmm. this as like part of my quote unquote role.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of celebrities will go out and they'll go on talk shows and they'll be like, yeah, I had to do that. And then it was awful. And then this was terrible. And there was just, there's more um, transparency around it. And to your point, Kim, I feel like she, I, I didn't see any of this, but I'm assuming it was glamorized and then like, I did this amazing thing. Look at me. I'm being celebrated. And now I get to go eat pizza and donuts Absolutely. end of store ha- and live happily ever after. Like Absolutely. that's not the way it actually
0: ends. Absolutely. That's the way it was portrayed. By the way, if you guys didn't see the pictures yet, she actually bleached her hair blonde, like that white Marilyn Monroe blonde. Wow. Oh, I've
1: got to look. I didn't see that.
0: Yeah. When I first saw her in the pictures, I thought I was looking at lady Gaga for a second oh. and I'm like, that's Kim Kardashian. Um, so but it's I like really do used- feel like she was trying to embody this whole role, but I think she did it in a very unhealthy way. And I certainly do think that as a person who knows the, there's no way that woman does not know the influence she has on other mm-hmm. people, specifically
1: 307 million followers,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She must know that. Yeah. Like how a person, but she never does seem to consider uh, the impact of her behavior, but I really wish she would, you know, like my daughter and I had a chat about it and, I know that that influences that influences these young girls, and I think it even influences older people as well. I can't
2: help but wonder this because I re- I recognize her as a pretty savvy businesswoman. I wonder if she doesn't know mm. how damaging that it, this behavior is. Maybe this do it, and yeah, maybe she's surrounded by people who are like, "This is an amazing thing to do." Yes, like, but yes, you have to go through this. Crap up front, but look at what you will have achieved and be at this notch in your belt once you've done it. Like, I don't know if she's looking at it from the same perspective that we are.
0: Yeah. So she might be hyper aware of exactly what she's doing Mm -hmm. and more thinking about it in terms of fame and right. Personal accomplishment and monetary.
2: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, she's a businesswoman. Let's let's be real.
0: So, well, this actually kind of lends itself, kind of leads nicely into our discussion today, which is improving our relationship with food. There's definitely a connection <laughs> sure there, is. right? So I once had a member of my Instagram audience, this was, a, this was quite a while back, but we went back and forth on several posts of mine, both in the comments and then in DMs. She really took issue with my use of the term relationship with food. She thought it was impossible to have a quote unquote relationship with food because food is an inanimate object. And it really gave me a chance to consider more deeply my thoughts on this idea of having a relationship with food. In fact, so much so that I looked up the definition of the word relationship because I was just not seeing her perspective. And I was like, am I, maybe I'm like way off base here. Maybe we all say this and it doesn't make sense. But the dictionary definition of relationship is the way in which two or more concepts objects or people are connected, that state Mm -hmm. of being connected. So it's this connection. So our relationship with food is all of the ways we are connected to food. Do you guys think that that's a fair definition? Anything you'd add or change? Marsh, let's go to you.
1: No, I think it's a fair definition. Yeah. Um, and, And you know, like any relationship, I think it evolves over time and it can be you know, worked on and it can be improved. It can be, you know, built, cultivated, like whatever the yeah. uh, the word is that you want to use for it. So yeah, I, I don't see anything wrong with the word relationship. I mean, it, it's something that you are in, in relationship with every single day of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I'm curious, like what was her argument?
0: That, it, you you can have relationships with your husband and your spouse and your friends, but you cannot have a relationship with food because it is not a lot. And she was very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I said, came back to me multiple times over a several month period, anytime she would hear me mention that. And it clearly pushed some kind of button in her. And I mean, I wasn't going to argue with the woman about it. Um, But it certainly got me thinking about what that term, whether that was an appropriate term. And I, after some thought decided I was going to continue right on using it the way that I had and the way I think you ladies use it as well. Mm -hmm. Katie, Mm -hmm. any
2: thoughts there? No, I would agree. And I think Marcy, I like what you added about it being something that certainly evolves and changes over the course of a lifetime, just like any relationship.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's actually where I'd like to go next lady. I'd like to kind of, let's start with this personal level and then we can kind of more talk about what we do with our clients or our audiences Katie, let's start with you. How has your relationship with food changed over time?
2: Oh my gosh. I mean, I'd love to say it's come full circle, but it's probably had like a hundred revolutions if I'm perfectly honest about it. I mean, uh, I I don't want to like go back too deep, but I would just say in the last cycle, which has probably been in the last five, five years of my life, Um, It went from being something that was really transactional for me. It was, it was, I didn't see it as I didn't wake up and think, okay, let's, let's just start the day and fuel myself to live and and live the way I want to live. I was like, okay, I got to work out so then I can have breakfast and then I'm going to go and do my stuff. And then I'm going to get hungry and then I'm going to eat. And then I'm going to go for a walk because I just have lunch. And that, and that was really, I didn't realize this, but that I think started when, um, I was working out at orange theory and they had the splat points and they had the calories. And I really started equating what I was eating offsetting what I was burning. And that did a heck of a lot of damage. And it took a long time for me to really untether myself to that idea and realize that I need, if I, let's just say I'm a vegetable and I'm not even blinking, I need food throughout the day. So, um, I, I think I had to, uh, take a lot of action to separate myself from that. And it did not happen
0: overnight. Mm. Thanks Katie. Mars.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, my relationship with food was, I would say very healthy. I ate everything that I wanted to eat. I didn't see any problem with it. You know, no one was telling me that I should not be eaten. Well, I I take that back (laughs) before I go any further. Um, you know, my mom, she was very health conscious. I think that's because of how she was raised. So there were certain things that she would not allow me to eat. And the list was small. So white bread sugary cereal and sugared gum. So those are the three things that were like off limits in our house and not because like, Oh, they're going to make you gain weight or anything like that. It's just, and these do not have any health promoting properties. Like they are, you know, nutrient void, that kind of thing. So, um, really that is how my relationship with food, I guess, began, but And I was very upset about it. I will be honest. So whenever I went to my grandma's house and this is interesting. And like, now that I have perspective, looking back in my grandma on the other side to my dad's mom, she like, that is how she showed us love was food. And she was the best cook. So she would feed us all day long and complete junk. So that is where I went to like, get my fix. She had every single sugary cereal. She had those uh hostess like mini donuts the chocolate covered ones the powdered sugar ones (laughs) ice cream uh she would make us like not peanut butter and jelly sandwiches but they would be peanut butter sandwiches with jiff peanut butter and on the other side would be regular butter she would put half and half on our cereal um oh my god half half on your cereal. (laughs) I, i mean it is so good. I will admit, um, really? like she would make us these like big elaborate breakfast with homemade biscuits and sausage. And, and like, it was just, oh my gosh, I'm like salivating even Great. thinking about it. So Yeah. Like my relationship with food in that context was good because I just, I enjoyed food. I loved it, you know? And I wasn't thinking like, oh, this is going to make me like look a certain way. It's going to do something to my body. I, and at that point, I don't really think I had any awareness around how my body looked. Um, And I felt good in my skin. So when I was in, I want to say like fourth grade, I started to notice that my body was changing. And that is when my relationship with food started to shift because I was going to my mom and asking her for advice. Like, how do I lose weight? And she has said, and I, you know, bless her heart, <laughs> like a moment on your lips forever on your hips, like those types of things. So I, I don't really feel like that had much of an impact, uh, but I know it certainly can with some people it can damage their relationship with food, um, and make it like Katie was saying like that transactional relationship, or no, like if I eat this, then that is going to happen. Um, but you know, my mom and I did like the cabbage soup diet together. We did weight watchers together, things like that. So that's kind of how it started. And then you know, when I was in high school and really getting into fitness and then in college, that's when the whole like clean eating trend was very hot. So this food is good. This food is bad. This food is clean. This food is not clean. And the majority of what I ate were clean foods. I mean, I I really didn't allow myself to eat anything that wasn't. So it was protein vegetables, like maybe some oatmeal and sweet potatoes, all of the sugar-free diet friendly type of things to like curb my cravings. But yeah, my relationship with food was very, very damaged. Um, I would say up until my mid twenties when I hired my first online coach, and that's when I was introduced to flexible dieting and, and the game really changed after that, thankfully.
0: So for my part, I have had a confused relationship with food for almost my entire life. And it's hard not to, when you literally don't understand the thing you're trying to connect with. I had an incorrect baseline knowledge about food, about its impact on my weight and its impact on my health. The rules were ever changing. Don't eat fat. No, eat fat. It's good for you. It's carbs you should stay away from. Butter is the devil. Only eat margarine. Are you crazy, lady? Margarine's going to kill you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just one small example. Like I couldn't quite grasp this thing that I was trying to have this relationship. And so it's complicated, would best describe my relationship with food until about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So ladies, what has helped you to improve your relationship with food over time? Clearly, we're all in a different spot with food now than we've been at different points in our past. What has helped you to improve your relationship with food over time? Mars, I'll throw it to you first.
1: Yeah. Well, essentially what I just said, I hired my first online coach when I was, I think 24. So this was long before Instagram, Facebook, I was finding all of my information essentially on blogs and forums. And I came across this guy Eric Ladeen from Lean Bodies Consulting, shout out to Eric. Like he was not the best coach, but he certainly changed my <laughs> life in this way. Um, no, he, he was a good coach, just like not super lovey dovey, you know. His check-in responses were like, yes, no, lol, great job. Talk to you next week, And kind of stuff. Um, but like at the time, like that's really all I needed. I wasn't struggling with, you know, my uh, my habits or like staying on track, so to speak. Like I didn't need the accountability, I just wanted someone to tell me what to do. And it's interesting because he did put me on a meal plan and I didn't really know any better because I had followed meal plans before. And at that point I was just so desperate to get the results that I was after. Like I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Like you tell me what to do and I will follow it to a T and that is what I did. So it was, you know, very like bodybuilder friendly foods, I would say. So, you know, they're like, you're Egg whites, blueberries, and oatmeal for breakfast. You know, chicken, broccoli, sweet potatoes for lunch. That kind of stuff. Uh, you know, a protein shake over after your workout. But the kicker was, and this is really what changed for me, I was still fearful of carbs, especially like the simple carbs. So, cookies, candy, you know, anything that was processed and not like an actual like nutrient dense starch. So, and even the oatmeal, I will say like oatmeal, potatoes, that kind of thing. I was a little bit scared to eat that because it had been a long time since I had. So there was some fear going into the situation, but I'm like, I got to trust this guy. I'll do what he says. The results he gets are amazing. Um, so going back to like the post-workout meal, we were allowed to have any carbohydrate that we wanted so long as it fit within a certain amount. So, and it had to be low fat. So like post-workout, you get 50 grams of carbs it can be whatever. So I was like, Oh, all right. So I took the Liberty and I was having cereal, frozen yogurt, like all of these things that I had put off limits for so long. And I was seeing results. Like I got leaner than I ever had. Um, I also had refeed days where I think I was up to, I don't remember the exact number, but I I would say like 200, 250 grams of carbs on a refeed day. And, And at that time, like I was a very small person. So it was a lot of food, but I remember being so paralyzed because I hadn't eaten these foods for so long. I would go to the store and it was like analysis paralysis. Like, what do I, it was like the scarcity mindset. Like, what do I choose? There are all these delicious things. I don't even know where to start. Uh, So it was almost overwhelming, but I think that in itself was like the thing that allowed me to realize, okay, I can eat any food that I want. It just has to be in a controlled context or the amount has to be controlled. And if I do that, and if I'm an adherent to that, then I will see the results. And I did. So that is what shifted it for me.
0: So it was really that experience. It was that experience. You're eating Hands down, it
1: was that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and then it was a little bit like flexible dieting. So he gave me a meal plan, but he also had this really cool, like food substitution, substitution calculator that he still has to this day. And I still use it. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was like on his website and you can log in and let's say that oatmeal was on your meal plan and you didn't want to eat oatmeal. You could find another food to substitute that it just had to like match, you know, calorie for calorie. So that is kind of what allowed me to, you know, be introduced to flexible dieting essentially and realizing, oh yeah, no one food is better than another necessarily, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So that was very helpful.
0: I do think that people who really have this like fear of certain foods, that one of the best things they can do is try like an experiment on themselves. Like try eating, even just picking one of them and seeing what happens, like literally mm-hmm. having that experience, um, I think is really useful. Katie, how about you? How, um, yeah. what have you done I agree. To help Jesus I, improve your relationship with food?
2: Well, I think to sort of carry on what you just said, you know, you want to be obsessed with a certain type of food, don't have it. <laughs> That's right. to me, one of the big things I have realized in my journey is that if I want to not feel all consumed by the sugary sweets, the, the hyper-palatable foods, I need to incorporate them every day. So there's there's a number of things I did. And, and, and the first one was I normalized a treat every single day and not, a, and not a macro-friendly treat, like a legit piece of chocolate, a cookie, candy, something. And I've been having something in my day every single day for years now, probably four years now. And I've gone in phases where I've still found myself like overindulging in it, which tells me that I'm not totally healed in a particular area with a particular food. I, there are certain treats that I will just never overconsume. Then there are others that for whatever reason, still have more of a hold on me than others. And so those are the ones where I still have some work to do. And so rather than just closing the door on those, I am making a point to eat them more and more and more. And then not just eating those foods and making it normal for me and, and making them like less a big deal, because I will say it does happen. You do you do get reduced pull to certain foods when you incorporate in, them into your diet more. And I'm not talking about like a bite. I'm talking about like regularly eating those foods. Um, and so, yes, like eating chocolate every single day was, was one of, chocolate was the one I chose, but I would sometimes trade chocolate out for something else. Another thing I would do was, take a look at my meals and my, and the food I would eat in a day it, objectively. Like I would take, I, w- I would look at my lunch and I would literally snap a picture of it and look at it from the perspective of what if my daughter sent this to me? What if a client sent this to me? What if I sent this to my mom, what would she say? And if I was looking at that food being like, oh my gosh, you're obviously missing a food group. Where's your fat, where are your carbs? Mm-hmm. Um, I would realize that I, I, there was something that I was missing for myself as well. So. That was another thing that that, that helped
0: me a lot. I like that idea of like looking at your food from someone else's perspective. It's so Mm -hmm. much better to like, kind of take that step away. So for me, the thing that really helped uncomplicate my relationship with food was just simply understanding. Knowledge about energy balance for one, Mm -hmm. like, how does that actually work? That was a huge stumbling block for me. And I know it is for so many people, weight gain, weight maintenance, weight loss. They seem so mystical and -hmm. governed by like ever-changing rules. And so really understanding the principle of like, what is a calorie and how does that impact me? Those kinds of things was key to me changing my relationship with food it's hard to have a healthy stable relationship with something you don't understand it's like if your boyfriend or your significant other was like an undercover agent or well, that's actually probably not good because he's probably good at covering things up it was some crazy <laughs> man who's like got like living a double life and you can tell there's holes and like you're, you can't quite figure him out right like how can you have a good stable relationship but like you can't quite get a grasp on this person you're trying to have a relationship with it for me that's what it was like with food like i couldn't quite understand it and when i did that really flipped a switch for me me about being able to eat all things and not having this constant sense of worry about whether I was quote unquote messing things up or whether this was going to, you know, make me gain weight again. So for me, that knowledge piece was huge. (laughs) Okay, so let's take it from just ourselves. And what do you guys do? And what have you done to help your clients to help your audience improve their relationship with food? Like, let's get really pretty specific here. What are some things that you teach them or experiences you help them to have so that they can improve their relationship with food? I can go first and you guys can can think about that. Um, For me, it goes back to some of the things I was just saying is really helping to educate because so much fear is based on misinformation. So, helping people to understand what's a calorie? How does energy balance work? Are the calories in an apple the same as calories in a cookie? Right. So, to me, those that's a really big piece of it is that under that information piece. And then from there, an awareness of thoughts and language around food is really key. So, helping people hear themselves thinking and saying things like good food, bad food, clean food, not clean food, and then challenging those thoughts and those words. Are they really true? Are they really useful? And those are kind of the two big things is information and then awareness of our thoughts and language around food. Who wants to take this question next?
1: I'll take it. And I, I love that, Kim. And that's something that I do with a lot of my clients or, or even in, you know, the content that I create as well, because language is so powerful. And, you know, I, I do believe that if someone is saying like this food is good, or this food is, is bad, then it it leads to more of that, if for lack of a better word, like self-sabotaging behavior, because if they have what they are deeming a bad food, then they feel like they've already gotten off track. And it's interesting because even with my clients, because I would say for the majority, I do use macro tracking or flexible dieting for this very reason to educate them. And like you said earlier, to give them the knowledge that there aren't any good or bad foods, there are foods that are more and less nutrient dense foods that we should prioritize more often if we want to feel our best and that are going to allow us to reach our goals a little bit more effortlessly because they are filling, they're satisfying, you know, all of that. They're going to help our, our keep our hunger and cravings in check. Um, but yeah, I still see clients who are using flexible dieting, having that poor relationship with food and using that language. Like I shouldn't have had the ice cream. Like that was a bad choice. It's like, no, like, the food itself was not a bad choice. Like, um, but you know, why were you using the food in the first place? Is that where we need to, you know, do some work? So that is step one is yes, shifting that language. And then step two is for those who, you know were their former version, excuse me, former versions of myself and did not allow themselves to have certain foods because they were fearful of them like exposure therapy. So a lot of times they'll say like, Oh, X-Food is my trigger food. No, it's not your trigger food. Like you just have, you know, this type of relationship with it right now, you currently do not have self-trust because the evidence that you have about that relationship is that once you start, you can't stop. So the only way that we are going to improve that is with exposure therapy and allowing yourself to practice. Like you cannot improve anything if you don't, Practice it. So, kind of like communication with a partner, anyone else that you are in a relationship with. If you want that relationship to to improve, like you just don't, you know, sit on separate sides of the couch and like not say anything to each other. You don't, you know, like not have date nights and things like that. You actually have to like be in the experience and do the work to overcome whatever it is that you are dealing with. So, in this case, you know, bringing those foods into the house and allowing yourself to have them. I will sometimes say, you know, if that feels a little bit too, um, like too big of a step, then you can start exposure therapy by like going out and getting something. So like, let's say it's ice cream. All right. Instead of bringing an entire gallon of ice cream into the house, can you go out to ice cream and get a scoop and realize that like, okay, I can have that one serving and, and be good. So that kind of starts to develop the self-trust. And then from there, you can layer on the next phase, which is like, okay, now I am going to bring the ice cream into the house. And I am going to serve myself, you know, one scoop. I'm going to go on the couch and I'm going to eat it slowly and be present and enjoy it fully. And then I'm done and I move on and you know, you're not going to get it right every time, but eventually it will get easier and easier.
2: Love that Katie Mars to to carry on from what you said about trust. I think that's so important. I like having a mantra that I, that I go to, that I think about throughout the day regarding trust, because trust in my choices, trust in my body was something that I had to work through. And the one that I would use was it is easy for me to slow down and tune into my body. And that is something that I would stop and do before I would eat any meal, any time. And I'd always have A couple deep breaths and a couple moments of just gratitude, not only for the food in front of me, but for the fact that my body knows exactly what to do with the food. No matter what you put into your body, even if let's just say you have a binge episode or something, you do something and you regret it guess what? You don't have to do a thing and your body is still going to take care of you. It's going to process that food. It's going to do what it needs to do. It's going to take that energy and it's going to allow you to do what you need to do as a human being. And you don't even have to think about it. And so to sort of just take a moment and be so grateful for the fact that you have this, you're living in this amazing machine that does all this, regardless of what you put into it might make you want to just treat it that much better and trust it just a little bit more and understand that there's nothing you can do to really mess this up. Like approach it from what would it feel like to have everything I want and not be able to mess it up because it is within you. It's just take a minute to really try to tap into it. Mm -hmm. Katie, could you share your mantra again? One more time. I thought that was fantastic. Yes. Uh, it is easy for me to slow down and tune into my body. And it may not sound like much, but if you say that to yourself a couple times before you sit and eat, you'll hear things, things will come up.
0: I love that. I love that. Ladies, so far, this has been a fantastic discussion. I want to end with just one more question and it might feel a little redundant, but I really want to drive this home for people who might be listening. Cause I think a lot of people who come to me don't even realize that they have a poor relationship with food. Like it's a surprise to them. Like it's a revelation as we start talking that they're Mm -hmm. like. Yeah, I didn't even realize this. And it's a big life-changing, um, I, won't, I won't use the word moment because it's a process, but over time when they've shifted their relationship and they can look back, they're amazed. They're like, wow, I didn't even realize where I was before. And so for people who are listening, let's kind of run down a little list of what would be some markers, some red flags to say like, I could use some improving in my relationship with food. If they're having these thoughts, using these kinds of words, like everybody give me one word or phrase.
2: Mm. I, oh, I can start. I'd say you're thinking about what you're going to eat constantly. Mm. Like you're eating your, you know, you have one fork full of food in your mouth and you're thinking about the next bite or you're finishing up lunch and you're wondering what you're gonna have for a snack later. Great one, Marcy.
1: I would say being fearful of putting yourself into certain social situations. So avoiding parties, Mm -hmm. avoiding restaurants, avoiding travel. And I speak from experience. I'll just share the story really quick. When I was in the height of my disordered eating in college, my mom and her, her siblings, they were going to Europe um, and she invited me to come And here I have this like fully paid trip to Europe with my family and could have been the time of my life. And I'll never forget. She said to me, you're more than welcome to come with us, but I don't think you're going to want to, because there's nothing that you can eat there. And like, wow, that should have been like such a red flag for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I I was like,
0: for that reason,
1: I was like, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) And I didn't go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that powerful? So So yeah, if you are feeling any type, when I say see, fear, like notice the sensations that are coming up for you in your body. So for me, when I was in the thick of it, it was like this kind of like tightness or tingling in my chest. If someone was like, Hey, do you want to go out to eat? And I was like, Oh no, I can't go out to eat because I've already you know, laid out my macros for the day. Or like, I don't know what I'm going to be able to, eat, to order there. Is it going to fit my plan? So yeah. What are the sensations and the thoughts that are coming up for you? when you are you know, being invited to situations where you may not be able to control your food.
0: Love that, that's a great one. one. And then I'll just add noticing yourself using words, either thinking them or saying them, categorizing food into things like clean. Usually people don't say dirty, clean or not clean. Usually it's just like, ooh, that's not clean or I need to eat this cause it is clean or real. That's another one. I was just chatting with somebody in my DMs this morning. Um, and she was talking about how I w- I shared yesterday that I found premier protein cereal. Wasn't mm-hmm. super impressed with the taste, but the macros were good. And I was like, if somebody does like the taste, it'd be a great way to get in 30 grams of protein. For me, I would rather not eat my 30 grams of protein that way because it was not a great bowl of cereal for me. It was very meh. But she was like, people should just be eating real food. And to me, that's a red flag. To, I mean, it's what, what is it? We're not talking about Play-Doh. We're not talking about like mm-hmm. little toddler play food. It is real food. So if you notice yourself using the words real, um, calling certain foods good or bad, and it's not into relationship, whether you enjoy the food, like sure, we've all had like a bad meal, like something's burnt, it's too salty, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But if you find yourself categorizing food as good or bad, um, not in relationship to that kind of taste factor, um, mm-hmm. clean, real, those kinds of things it would definitely be red flags that there's room for improvement in your relationship with food.
1: Well, I think one more that we did touch on briefly earlier in the episode is the transactional relationship. So yes. if I have this food, then I need to burn it off. How many mm-hmm. minutes do I have to spend on the treadmill or, or that guilt? Okay. I ate this thing and now I have to go make up for it. I have to go like pay my dues because I had it.
0: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thanks, ladies. I think this has been a great discussion. Hopefully we're using our micro-influencing power better than Kim Kardashian uses oh our macro-influencing power yes. <laughs> here today. All right. We'll catch you next week, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.